0: Happy Valentine's
1: Day. Today is February 14th. Yeah. So this is Between the Lines, and I'm Scott. I'm Junior, and I'm glad that you reminded everybody of Valentine's Day. Yeah, if you, you might forgot, have some guys. Yeah, you know.
0: made a—you know, I, it was kind of funny. I, I had a, I've got a friend named John who doesn't believe in—he just says it's a Hallmark holiday, so he won't do anything. But,
1: I don't fully disagree with him. Yeah,
0: but I, I just found a—Jack, our sound engineer here, he, he doesn't believe in Valentine's Day, but trouble is he's got a girlfriend who does— so I say, whether or not you believe in Valentine's Day, if your <laughs> wife does or your girlfriend does, you believe in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I shared this on the other podcast that I have, Two Dudes in a Canoe, but the story of Valentine's Day is pretty cool. It is cool. It's about a guy named Valentine who was a pastor. And he's it has nothing
0: to do with with uh, romantic love, right? Well, sort of,
1: actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So uh, Valentine was a pastor. He was born in Rome. Yeah. And he's a bishop, actually. And Claudius at the time had outlawed marriage in the Roman Empire because he was having trouble recruiting the men into the armies. And so because the men were wanting to stay at home.
0: You mean marriage among people in the military? No,
1: he just outlawed. This is what I read yesterday. Yes. In the Roman Empire, no marriage. Wow. Just so that he could recruit more men. Well, Valentine was marrying people behind the scenes, you know, undercover, still (laughs) doing his job as a pastor and marrying people. So Claudius had had him jailed, had Valentine jailed. So Pastor Valentine was in prison and Claudius actually kind of took a liking to Pastor Valentine and have him, you know, they'd hang out. But Valentine kept on witnessing, you know, about Jesus Christ to Claudius. And finally, Claudius got sick of it and had him beaten. And then when he wouldn't die from being beaten, he was beheaded. So that is why we celebrate Valentine's Day. (laughs) And and the reason I think is because just marriage, the sanctity of marriage, that's what Valentine's Day is all about. Which is kind of funny because now it's become a holiday where it's like, it's, it's a lot of people just like sleeping around, you know, go out with yeah. your boyfriend, girlfriend, sleep around. Oh, it all about- it's turned
0: into more of an erotic holiday than yeah. a real love holiday. It's between a marriage. Yeah. And it, it was what is also interesting, if I recall, because my, the part of the story that I remember had to do with his daughter, that his daughter would mm-hmm. put flowers at his grave and that that's and she's the one that would celebrate i don't know if it was if if february 14th was his birthday or the date of his death it was
1: the date of his death and actually interest what i read again who knows Mm -hmm. this is history so sometimes there can be it was actually claudius's daughter who put flowers at his grave because claudius claudius's daughter the roman empire's daughter and valentine um would would talk quite a bit and so um and i think there might have i don't I, I don't. I don't know the full story. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I came from.
0: Very interesting. Anyway, the whole thing. We probably should get into reading yeah, the Bible. Sorry, though, shouldn't we? So don't Mark, make it all
1: Valentine's Day. Mark
0: chapter three. I'll just go ahead and get started on this. Uh, Jesus, uh, this is Jesus here. Mark chapter three, and you know, I I know this again. We're making this really long here. <laughs> I have to say that I was going to say this yesterday. I totally forgot. I had a woman that stopped me this last weekend on Sunday, and it, just so cool. She said that she's been trying to read the Bible her whole life and she's never been able to read it and understand it, and so she would always get out of the habit. But since she's been listening to Between the Lines, on the weekends, she's been reading on her own. She was in tears when she stopped me, and she said, for the first time in my life, I was able to read this last weekend, and I understood what I was reading, just because yeah, I've been listening to Between so cool. the Lines, and now when I read on my own, I'm able to understand. That's so cool. So that, that it's accomplishing what our goal was. Yes. All right, Mark 3, beginning in verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand.
1: And just real quick, just comment what a synagogue yeah. is, because sometimes people do wonder what that mm-hmm. is. So there's the temple in Jerusalem, which is where people go for sacrifice, especially once a year, they make a pilgrimage there. A synagogue was a place of studying the Torah in each town. Yeah, it was so that's where the synagogue a place is.
0: of study and learning, though yeah. they did do worship, Yeah, but it, it was they did not make sacrifices at the synagogue. Verse 2, since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely if he healed the man's hand. They plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath, which is just so ridiculous. This just shows you what happens when you become envious. And, and Instead of rejoicing over a man, wanting a man to be healed, they wanted to trip up Jesus. Verse three, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Because by doing nothing, in a sense, you're destroying it. You're doing yeah. evil. If, you, if you're capable of doing good and you don't, that's doing evil. But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus.
1: Hmm. It's interesting in that last verse, the, <clears throat> the Pharisees went to the supporters of Herod. The Pharisees and Herod... Did not get along. Oh, they hated each other. So now you have the two enemies coming together to come at Jesus. And then they didn't get
0: along after Jesus. You know, the Pharisees didn't get along with the political leaders after Jesus was gone either. It just went back to the way it was. Verse 7, Jesus went out to the lake with the disciples and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever these possessed those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. That raises all kinds of questions that it would take too much time for us to get into. But it it was fair at this point for Jesus to be able to say, I'm not ready for this to go far and wide for this to be broadcasted. And that's why he commanded them not to. Verse 13, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him. And he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons And these are the 12 that he chose. I'll let you pick up uh, here. It starts with Simon, whom he named Peter.
1: Simon, whose name is Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them Sons of Thunder, which is kind of a a little bit of a comedic nickname.
0: Yeah, I would love that nickname. (laughs) Just call me the Son of Thunder.
1: (laughs) It's because they they lost their patience one time. That's why Jesus called them that. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him. One time, Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon, he and his disciples couldn't find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called him over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. You know, the, what is happening here is Jesus begins by using just logic,
0: by saying, uh, how ridiculous for you to say that I'm casting out demons by Satan himself. I mean, that's ridiculous because I'd be opposed to myself if that were the case. So he, just, he starts off by using logic, but then he gives us very stern warning that it was the Holy Spirit that had revealed truth to them as to who Jesus was. And by rejecting the Holy Spirit, that's what the sin against the Holy Spirit is. That's what, the, what we call the unpardonable sin, is rejecting the leading of the Holy Spirit when he brings you to that place of understanding who Jesus is, and you have that final rejection, I I want nothing to do with him. That is, that's the only sin that cannot be forgiven because Jesus came to forgive us of all sins, and if you reject him... You cannot be
1: forgiven. Yeah, and we kind of unpacked this this verse when we were in Matthew. Mm-hmm, you know, we did. We talked about if you're concerned about sinning this way, you probably haven't, <laughs> because yes. you care.
0: You wouldn't. Yes, you wouldn't care if that were the case. Yeah.
1: Verse 30 says he told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Then and there was a.
0: If you remember, it was early around, they thought he was crazy because, you know, Jesus' own family members
1: because he was talking like he was the Messiah. Yep. There's a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. And essentially what he's saying there is those who do God's will is my family.
0: Yeah, and you probably, he may remember this growing up. We used to say to you and your brother and your sister that uh, the, being in our family matters to us, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as being in the same spiritual family because being part of this immediate family is only temporary. I mean, you, you grew up, you moved out, got married, moved out, moved in with your wife. In fact, the night before you got married, I told you that we're no longer immediate family. We're now extended family. And that was the importance of I wanting you know wanting you to know that you're one flesh with your wife, but uh, Jesus's point here with his brothers and sisters, he's saying the most important aspect of a familial relationship is where that relationship is spiritual. But because we are now related, junior, not just father and son, but also brothers, we're related spiritually. We're going to be related for eternity. Mm-hmm. That matters far more than blood relationship. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're in Proverbs. Uh, we're in Proverbs 14 today. Yep. And the verse that we were going to be looking
1: at, I think it's verse twelve. Is yeah, that right. Verse twelve is. Uh, uh, you want to read it? Yeah, it says, "There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death."
0: Yeah, we we want to be very careful that we don't just, based on our own opinions, decide what we think is right and mm-hmm. not right. It's so important for us to use wisdom and to see everything and all of the decisions that we have to make from God's perspective and do what is right based on God's principles and not just what we feel like doing. Yeah, and
1: if you're confused by that or not exactly sure, maybe it's a little bit more of a difficult, um, a gray area, this is when you lean into that family of God that Mm -hmm. Jesus was just talking about. This is when you lean into your brothers and your sisters when it comes to a difficult decision.
0: Listen, it was great being with you again, but it, it is, uh, again, it is Valentine's Day. Junior, anybody that you want to say happy Valentine's yes. Day to?
1: Happy Valentine's Day to my beautiful wife.
0: And my beautiful wife, Linda. Yes. In fact, uh, we're we're recording this right now, and but Linda and I will be listening to this together. We listen to this every day together. That's cool. And so we'll just look at each other with star-crossed eyes. I say to her, happy Valentine's Day, my love.
1: As you celebrate
0: the beheading of a man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll see you tomorrow.